Now, Paul fills out the status of Philemon as a Christian. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the 66 books written by the 40 authors over a thousand years, all with the same theme. And we are studying the Bible today. So Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? All right, well, today we are going to be taking a look at Roman slavery and the early Christian church. Ryan? Well, today I'm talking about how even in Paul's smallest book, he manages to get the gospel message in there. All right, very good. Look forward to that. Now, Janice, what are you doing today? Today's Friday, so it's our fun Friday wrap-up. I'm going to choose a question somewhere in between 1 Thessalonians all the way to Philemon. All right, very good. Let's get out our Bible and let's open up the Bible guides. If you have one, if you don't write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and get one, let's look at what God is saying. Philemon verses 4 through 22. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, Put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Philemon, verses 4 through 22. Today we're in a very small book, and it is called Philemon. 
Now, I really cringe when I think of the many people that I have hurt in my life. I wish there were not so many, I'll tell you. But you know, God cares about reconciliation. And he speaks to us about people that we've hurt, used, or abused. We are commanded to treat others with love, always. But as fallible humans, we too often throw off godly love and treat people the wrong way. That's a problem. Well, in today's reading, we see God dealing with a man, Philemon is his name, who seems to have been taken advantage of or shamed by someone else who is called Onesimus. Now, the Apostle Paul has friendships with both men and has written to facilitate healing. Facilitate healing. Interesting. Paul stands in for Onesimus because he has witnessed his true conversion to Christianity. And Paul wants this changed Onesimus to go back home and face Philemon straight up. And he wants Philemon to accept Onesimus with God's forgiveness. I'll tell you, this is an interesting time in Scripture. Paul utilizes his friendship with Philemon to enable reconciliation between the two Christians. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've had to do that, but uh, I think all of us eventually will get there if you're a young Christian, maybe not yet, but if you're somebody who's been a Christian for a while, there may, there's a couple of ways you can do this. One, you can just forget about the person and move away. Or two, what you can do is go back and make it right. Or three, what you can do is get angry at the person and just call anger on them all the time. Well, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. But God wants us to make reconciliation. That word is an interesting word. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have one, why not? We'll send you one. Do what's right. Do what is right. That's what we're talking about today. And uh, you can get a Bible guide by calling us or writing us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. That's BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the page there and it'll take you to a PDF file where you can download it and be right with us. Now, this is interesting. Father, I pray today as we explore this particular epistle, this writing of Paul, that you would teach us your ways and show us your path. Lord, we need to hear you today. We don't need to read into this. We need to read from it. And I haven't heard too many sermons from this particular passage. But Lord, help us today to listen to what you say in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Philemon chapter 1, there's only one chapter, and 4 to 7. This is interesting now. Pay attention and watch this. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing. The acknowledgement of every good thing, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have, the, this is written to Philemon. This is to him. He's reading this and Paul's telling him this, verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the heart of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. <laughs> you know, this is interesting. Paul spells out Philemon's status as a Christian. 
He is somebody who knows the Lord and is maturing. We should always be aware of our position as Christ followers. What is your position from Christ today? Have you been growing? Have you been following God? Have you been doing things that you would not humanly normally do? But things like loving your neighbor and taking care of people. That's very important. Now, Paul has set up Philemon to hear what he's saying. So let's go back and listen. Verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now old, also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. I am sending him back to you. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my change for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, Philemon, that you might receive him forever, for eternity, Philemon, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, Paul says, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. This is fascinating. Paul states the case of Onesimus, who now is a Christian, and we must be willing to forgive our brothers and sisters. Beloved, listen carefully. The ways of God are important. We must be willing to forgive. We must be willing to go back and make it right with people because God has given us eternal life. And in eternity, we don't get to move away from the person. We don't get to spend time with the, or spend time away from the person. We're together, beloved. And so this exercise of reconciliation is really good. Our sinful natures have to be dealt with. And so, beloved, this is a really good request. <laughs> Hard for some of us, I know. Now let's go on to the last portion of Scripture. If then you count me as a partner, Philemon, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you, that you owe me even your own self besides, Philemon. Yes, brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord and refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I, I shall be granted to you. This is interesting. Paul displays his confidence in Philemon to do the right thing and more. As Christians, beloved, we are called to live our lives in mercy for others. Everybody loves mercy, man. I love mercy. I love mercy because I need mercy. But what about when somebody else needs mercy from me? 
Lord, help me to be merciful. And help me not to go after someone and judge them. But help me to be merciful in today's world especially. In Jesus' name, help me to follow your example as Paul has instructed us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And we all said together, Amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So a background subject that interacts with the New Testament book that we are looking at today is the issue of Roman slavery. And even this idea of slavery within the early church, it was just a reality of the day-to-day -day lives of people in the Roman Empire that, that slavery existed. But the slavery that existed in the time period of the New Testament and specifically within the Roman Empire is a lot different than what most of us think of with our recent history of slavery. So let's take Take a look at Roman slavery and specifically what it meant in the day-to-day -day lives of the first century. Take a look. The events and theology recorded in the New Testament of the Bible happened in the first century AD and in the vast area ruled by the Roman Empire. Naturally then, knowing the cultural backdrop of the Roman world is important to understanding many references and cultural allusions in the New Testament. One such issue is that of citizenship and slavery. There was a large status divide within Roman society between people who had Roman citizenship and those who were slaves. Roman elite society was largely sustained through slave labor, but this slavery should not be confused with its more modern forms. In the Roman Empire, slavery was not based off of culture, race, or the color of your skin. Slaves could be captured in warfare, born into slavery, or go into slavery due to criminal activity. People could also sell family members or themselves into slavery due to dire financial issues. The circumstances in which slaves lived varied drastically. Slaves serving a family in urban settings were said to be much better off, often living with their master families, having close relationships with them that could aid them in being granted positions of great authority within the family, or being given status as a freedman, a once slave turned free and given Roman citizenship. Slaves living in rural conditions on country estates and farms are spoken of in ancient literature as generally having more difficult lives. They were involved in physical labor and not in close proximity to their master or family and therefore didn't have the same access for relationship development and opportunities. While urban and rural contexts would have made a difference in the slave's life, the personality of their owner had an even larger impact. Slaves were entirely at the mercy of their owner's temperament, with legal protection favoring only the owner. 
Interestingly, going into Roman slavery was compared with death because when you became a slave, all of your previous relationships and social ties were cut. Your marriage was nullified, family relationships severed, your businesses and partnerships ended, legal protection of your personhood was removed, anything that you did in your old life was gone and you now served your master with all of yourself. Roman slavery did not have to be permanent. Slaves could purchase or be granted their freedom and become freedmen. They were still required to pay respect to their former owner and work for them for a set time each year, but they could become legal citizens and rise quite high in Roman society. It's important to note, however, that just because the possibility for freedom was there did not mean that it was attainable for all or even most Roman slaves. So as I hope you're able to see through this segment, Roman slavery was tremendously different than what we generally think of today when we think of slavery. You know, it doesn't make it any better. It was still a very brutal thing. Uh, and it was a reality that the church had to deal with. So it's interesting to see uh, in the just few areas where the Apostle Paul of the New Testament interacts with this idea of Roman slavery. So more on that later. It's interesting because we associate slavery with ways that we are today. Mm -hmm. And uh, we associate it with the Civil War, for example, yep. in North America, in the United States of America. And as we look at it and we compare that with Roman, we, we take parallels in the Bible, but we really can't do that. We have to understand Roman slavery, understand what Paul was saying mm -hmm. to really get it. Yeah, and it was still a devaluation of human beings, but it wasn't based on race necessarily. Uh, it was just based off of financial situation, uh, social situation, but it was still a, a devaluing in many cases, not, not every case, but in many cases, it was still a devaluing of a human being. Very interesting, because uh, we'll look forward to you tomorrow, because that's our the Monday, because that's a very, very interesting uh, thought to compare, right? Yeah, well, today we read the book of Philemon, which is actually a personal and private letter from Paul to Philemon. And with only one chapter, it's actually Paul's shortest book in the New Testament canon. Now, one thing about Paul is that he had a missionary's heart. His primary purpose and desire was to see people saved. Now, it shouldn't really be surprising then that virtually every one of Paul's epistles defends and clarifies some crucial point of doctrine relevant to the gospel message. In fact, he even manages to do it in this short personal letter to Philemon regarding a runaway slave. Let's study. Undoubtedly, one of the most significant conversions of all time was Saul of Tarsus a highly educated and staunch Pharisaical Jew and a Hebrew of Hebrews. Though he would be the last person ever imagined to convert to Christianity, his dramatic encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus turned him from persecutor to pastor and from mass murderer to mass missionary. In fact, it is highly significant that in Paul's epistles and letters, he writes primarily as a missionary and only secondarily as a theologian. Indeed, gospel truth permeates everything Paul ever wrote. The gospel was at the center of his thoughts at all times, so much so that he occasionally even referred to it as my gospel. His chief desire and goal was to win as many as possible to Christ, and everything he did was for the sake of the gospel. It's not surprising then that virtually every one of Paul's New Testament epistles defends and clarifies some crucial point of doctrine 
relevant to the gospel message. This is true all the way from the highly influential book of Romans, even to his shortest epistle, his letter to Philemon. Paul's letter to Philemon is a private and personal note regarding Philemon's slave Onesimus. Onesimus had run away, met Paul, and had been converted. Paul then encouraged him to turn himself into Philemon, who had also been converted by Paul. I appeal to you, writes Paul, for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful, both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but as a fellow man and as a dear brother in the Lord. After Paul completed the letter, Onesimus apparently first helped deliver Paul's epistle to the Colossians and then took this private note to Philemon. Of course, Philemon had every legal right to kill Onesimus as a runaway slave, but Paul knew Onesimus was a changed person. He just had to convince Philemon. It is through this very appeal that Paul manages to paint a crystal clear picture of gospel truth while exemplifying the spirit of Christ through his own actions. He includes this plea which perfectly epitomizes what Christ did for his people. Receive him as you would me, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Thus Paul illustrates in a very real and practical way the principles of imputation and vicarious atonement. As one scholar rightly concludes, we do not know the outcome of this appeal, but the inclusion of this short and intimate letter in the canon suggests that it was successful. It reveals how the Christian faith breaks down what seems to be insurmountable social walls. You know, this is such an amazing letter, even though it's the shortest of all Paul's New Testament writings. And like all his other works, it has the gospel written all over it. As Paul said, receive Onesimus as you would me. And if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Paul also goes on to remind Philemon that he owes Paul his life. Now, this is a really stunning image of what Christ does for each and every one of us. Like Onesimus, we too have committed wrongs and have every right to be sentenced to death because the wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ takes our wrongs and puts them on his account when we trust in him. So Jesus, like Paul says to Philemon, says to his father about us, receive him or her as you would me. And if he or she has wronged you or owes anything, Put that on my account. Wow, what great and unexpected love and mercy. That really is. And, and when you think it through and begin to understand what Paul's saying here, he's talking to a businessman, Philemon, and he's saying, I found a slave that ripped you off or did something. We don't know what he did. And he says, I want you to do this right. I'm not going to force you, but because I, I could, if I wanted to talk to you sternly about it, but I'm going to talk to you nice and I, because I trust God working in you. Yeah. And this is because Philemon or Philemon, whoever you want to say, he knows God. Onesimus came to Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, now what do you do? It's amazing. You know, Christianity really does break down all barriers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, here you have a master and a slave. Mm -hmm. And yet now they're both Christians, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so now they're brothers in Christ. And this is a really good example of how Christianity can exist within any culture, but mm -hmm. requires the person who is in the culture to adjust their cultural understandings. Mm -hmm. So even though there was this cultural understanding of shame and honor and slaves and masters, 
masters, that status had to change because they were now brothers in Christ. They were both a part of. So while Christianity easily existed within the culture of the Roman Empire, it did require uh, Christians within the Roman Empire to change their thought processes to the way that God sees people and to the way that God sees life. Yeah, I, Paul wrote extensively to all those churches yeah. it, for, for exactly for the, that reason. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where you're living, but this is how we need to live. Yes. Right? And yeah. so that's well said. I think it's important to remember as well that both of these men then had to grow together mm -hmm. in Christ. <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people say, well, I'm moved to the other side of the country. I won't have to deal with him for the rest of my life. Yeah, but wait a minute. If we're going to spend eternity together, mm -hmm. how can you have a disagreement that continues on. You can't, you've got to resolve the issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can't walk away from the issues. They have to be resolved. So Paul resolves this issue between Philemon and Onesimus. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what happened. We don't know how it took place, but that is amazing. Yeah. Very good it guys. Is. Excellent. Before we get to the question, it's the weekend. So what yes. do we look forward to on Saturday? Okay, Saturday mornings on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko. Uh, I release a chapter by chapter recap to get you caught up on the assigned reading for this week. Excellent. Very All good. right. Okay. We've heard Philemon. We've heard Philemon. You know, we hear <laughs> we can't even Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Well, you know, there's lots of different ways to say their names. So however you say it is just Fine. All right. I chose a question and here it is. Paul wrote his letter to Philemon, to Athia, to their fellow soldier named who, and to the church that was in their house. So Paul wrote his letter to Philemon, to Athia, and to their fellow soldier named who had a church that was in their house. Was it Artemis, Aquila, or Archippus? Which one of those do you think is the right answer? Okay, well, you got to go, guys. You <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we've only got 25 seconds. So, yeah, we converged. Yeah, uh, we have. We yes. think it's going to be number three. Yes. All right. You. Well, if you at home chose number three, you're absolutely right. That is in uh, the book of Philemon, verse two, and it says, To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So if you got that right, excellent. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, we have prayer meetings on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 Eastern time, which is the same time as New York. And so if you join us live, we'll pray for you. And it'll be very exciting as we do that every week, three times a week. Today, let's pray this way as we close the program. Lord, help me to be who you desire me to be, not who I wanna be, but help me to be what you called me to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.